0: Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function. Cocoa flavanols share a similar mechanism with beetroot. They both boost nitric oxide. Nitric oxide increases artery flexibility, which improves circulation. A side-by-side comparison of 10 independent studies, 5 cocoa flavanols and 5 beetroot, suggests that cocoa flavanols increase artery flexibility by as much as 50% more than beetroot. Flava Naturals dark chocolate bars and cocoa powder deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate with great flavor and minimal sugar. Their secret is sourcing premium high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and order, just go to FlavaNaturals.com. There you'll find the extensive research behind cocoa flavanols benefits and great recipes too. That's Flava Naturals Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today we're going to tackle a subject that uh, I think is very complicated. But we have an expert on the line who I think can break it down for us in an understandable way. He's one of our go-to experts on the subject of general nutrition. Uh, His knowledge is encyclopedic. He's weighed in on a variety of subjects for us in the past. And today he's going to tackle methylation. He's Neil Edward Levin. He's Senior Nutrition Education Manager and a Product Formulator for Now Foods and the physician brand, the professional brand, is Protocol for Life Balance, well known to many of you because you use those supplements via our website, uh, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Neil's an award-winning board-certified clinical nutritionist. He's also a founder and former officer of the American Nutrition Association. And by the way, Neil, I, I'm headed out there this week uh, in Uh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina and you'll be there, right?
1: I plan to be there, yes
0: It's one of the biggest gathering of nutrition professionals uh, in the country and I'm looking very much forward to a couple of days down there and maybe we'll have a chance to uh, catch a bite uh, or at least uh, have a drink Uh, Looking forward to seeing you. So, he's also uh, a director of the Mid-American Health Organization, and he serves on the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists, Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. And so, without further ado, let's tackle methylation. What say you, Neil?
1: Methylation, it's an essential process. Uh, You need it from the time you're a fertilized egg literally the fertilization, uh, up throughout your life. In fact, the ability of the human biology of of taking genetics from a male and a female and meshing them together is controlled by methylation. How do you take uh, genetics from one person and another and blend them into a single person? Methylation is the key there. Methylation is a process by which a simple molecule, it's a... Uh, carbon and and some uh, hydrogen molecules that are you know very simple compound that has profound effects on all of biology Uh, it both activates and represses genetic activities in the body uh, some of them permanent some of them temporary and so it's a way for the body to regulate itself and having proper methylation is extremely important for every body process you can imagine.
0: So one of the things that I find fascinating is that, uh, and this is maybe not well acknowledged except to science wonks, is that the DNA code for every single function, every single organ, uh, every single manifestation of life uh, is present in virtually every cell of the body. But the cells of the body are very different. A skin cell is very different from a neuron uh, and uh, a liver cell uh, and a lung cell and a heart cell. And with that template, it's a blueprint, but to activate certain parts of that blueprint, it requires methylation, right? Methylation is sort of like uh, the key that unlocks the code Uh, that expresses development of proteins and development of uh, structures within the body, correct?
1: Yes, and I mean, basically, methylation tells the body when a gene should be active, when it shouldn't, how active it should be. Uh, It even controls the telomeres, uh, the length of the, uh, like the little ends on shoelaces that you have on, you have those kind of things on genes and they get shorter with age. So protecting them is part of methylation as well, protecting the genes themselves.
0: So it it actually is part of what is called, not so much genetics, because genetics is fixed. I mean, basically you can take a saliva test and administer it to a baby or get a cheek swab, and basically their DNA will be the same as if you harvest their DNA at the age of 50 or 75. It's, it's the same template. Uh, but methylation status uh, may vary through life depending on life circumstances, and nutrition plays an important part of that, is is my understanding.
1: Yes, and methylation both uh, regulates and even silences genes. We all have ancient genes inside us that are not active, and maybe they could get activated by some mutation or environmental trigger or something like that, but, you know, in, in general population, they are inactive. And methylation is one of the things that suppresses ancient genes that we don't need anymore.
0: Okay. So there's, there are sites, which are methylation sites, which are both promoter uh, as well as inhibitor sites, from what I understand. So you, you can actually inhibit certain things, which are presumably bad, uh, down-regulate them, like you say, silence some genes that may be uh redundant or harmful uh but at the same time uh, promote genes which are protective and so uh when it comes to uh development uh, there there's some evidence that methylation plays a role in uh birth defects for example uh there's you know a dread problem uh that used to be the target of the march of dimes uh spina bifida Uh, The so-called neural tube defects that could cause uh, profound mental retardation. Uh, These are things that seem to be influenced by methylation. And then along came the idea that maybe we should fortify our food with folic acid so that uh, the methylation could properly occur. And especially for pregnant women, they're told to take lots of folate, right? Right
1: they are but the only form of folate that is approved for that use and recommended for that use is actual folic acid and not the methylfolates that are on the market today uh and the reason for that is the lack of evidence because you know there's studies going back 50 years or more showing the effects of folic acid to prevent birth defects but there's virtually no studies showing supplementation with methylfolate doing that even though theoretically it would do that as as well or better than folic acid itself
0: right so if you buy like an ordinary cheap uh, discount multi which has a smattering of B vitamins uh, they're unmethylated so you'll get folic acid and you'll get uh, pyridoxin uh, and you'll get probably cyanocobalamin and these are unmethylated forms of B vitamins So is there an argument to be made that uh, for dealing with methylation issues, we want to methylate our B vitamins? I know that this is kind of a controversial area, and you you take a nuanced view of this.
1: I do. I'm much more nuanced because I'm distinguishing between test tube studies and human clinical studies, Mm -hmm. and there is a difference in in what happens in them, and... uh, If you go directly to sites like National Institute of Health or CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they actually say that folic acid works very well, even in people with what are called polymorphisms, Mm -hmm. these genetic variations in their folate metabolism, Mm -hmm. uh, where a lot of us are being told you need the methylfolate form only and you can't process folic acid. Right. And according to authorities, this is untrue, Okay. that you, know, you can process them and you'd be born with birth defects and you wouldn't have uh, good genetics or energy if you couldn't methylate folic acid. Right. And in fact, met- met- methylfolate in the diet is digested to uh, monoglutamate form, which is folic acid, and is actually remethylated in the enterocytes lining the intestines. Okay. So we have that basic confidence. So, so, so in other
0: words, it it doesn't have to be body-ready. The body can kind of affect that transformation in most cases?
1: In general, yes. And uh, one important thing for consumers to, to recognize is that the forms of vitamins that are very common and sold for decades are not the final form that are in the body. They're precursors. But that's also true of the forms in foods. Okay. So the body has a wisdom of being able to convert these into the active forms, which are so, some of them are methylated, like folic acid. Some of them are phosphorylated, like vitamin B6. But these active forms are actually produced from precursors, which are either in the common forms and supplements or these new fancier forms, like the methylated forms.
0: So let's, let's talk about some of the practical implications of this. Uh, there is a problem that some people have, which is a high level of homocysteine. okay? And homocysteine is thought by some to be a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Uh, cardiologists don't any, no longer subscribe to that notion, but a homocysteine is troublesome and, and in my opinion, uh, may be more responsible for cerebrovascular disease risk and accelerated progression to dementia if it's high, and it deserves lowering. So talk to us about homocysteine, uh, because homocysteine is something that, unlike some of our cardiovascular risk factors where vitamins don't make a difference, uh, supplements can really dramatically lower homocysteine, thus, I think, lowering risk for some major problems.
1: Yeah, homocysteine is an easily testable uh, metabolite in the body. It's It's a toxin but it's an intermediate in a cycle that's taking the, the SAM-E, uh, which is the source of methyl groups for most cells in the body, uh, into homocysteine as part of a, a process to make an enzyme and then convert it back into the amino acid methionine, which is an essential amino acid. And if that process is imperfect, then and you don't have the right cofactors, these vitamin and mineral cofactors, especially folic acid, but there are others, then you end up with an excess of homocysteine, which is supposed to be this temporary metabolite. And if you have too much, it's kind of corrosive to the body. Uh, It's not good for the cardiovascular system. It's not good for the brain. Increases Uh, the risk for blood clots. It's
0: actually a risk factor for blood clots, I understand. One of them.
1: Yeah, and then... It's kept in check by having uh, all these nutrient cofactors. So the fact that homocysteine is high shows there's a lack of nutrients. And that's a very important point. It, it's not treated with drugs, it's treated with nutrition.
0: Right. So, for example, uh, a Protocol for Life Balance uh, makes a supplement called methyl action, which targets methylation. And that would be a go-to for me if I saw someone with a homocysteine of 12, 14, 16, uh, we like to get it down to, you know, perhaps six or seven optimally. Uh, I've seen really remarkable results uh, using that supplement to dramatically lower homocysteine. We can cut it in half. Sometimes people have it over 20. We can get it down into single digits. So what what's the secret sauce in a supplement like that? It can't be just folic. Folic acid, or or even methylfolate, the methylated form of it, it, requires a combination of things. What are those?
1: It does. We've included vitamin B two, riboflavin, mm-hmm. in its coactive, active form. Uh, its coenzyme active form, I should say, uh, which means that it's the form that the body ends up producing, the active form in the body. Uh, and we've also included vitamin B six, not as pyridoxine, but as pyridoxal five phosphate. Which again is the active coenzyme form in the body that if you take regular uh, B2 or B6 in a supplement, it will be converted into those forms in the body. We're just providing them in a pre-converted form. Same with the folate. We've had the, we have the quattrofolate uh, form. It's a glucosamine salt. It's a vegetarian form of glucosamine attached to it which stabilizes it and makes it more bioavailable and and then you have this essential vitamin folic acid in a form that the body is ready to use and it doesn't need to be converted in the body uh we've also added one other thing trimethylglycine mm-hmm. and you can tell by the methyl name in there yep. trimethyl mean there's three methyl groups in there so we're also encouraging the body to make more sam e and to methylate better because typically people who are having problems with homocysteine have a deficit of methylation. So we're providing these things. Uh, Folate actually reduces methylation in the body to some extent, so even though it it has some methylation uh, compounds in there. So adding the trimethylglycine actually boosts it even more.
0: And TMG, or trimethylglycine, also known as betaine, but it's it's not it's not to be confused with betaine hydrochloride, which sometimes people use when they have lack of stomach acidity and they want to take a digestive aid, right?
1: Yeah, it actually betaine hydrochloride is a form of betaine, which yeah. is trimethylglycine, but it has acid. It you know it's like a hydrochloric acid substitute. Okay. But it also has some of this methylation potential. But if you know, if you want methylation, you go straight for betaine or TMG. Or if you really want to get fancy, you go to SAMe, mm-hmm. uh, and that will provide these uh, compounds. Choline's another one. Uh, yep. is a common B vitamin. Recently, it was named as an essential B vitamin. Right, and, especially in uh, pregnancy
0: for brain development of fetus. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so 550 milligrams of choline is now the recommended daily allowance. But also for adults, because
0: at the other end of of life, uh, people experience cognitive decline. So we want our babies to come out with high IQs, but we also want uh, older adults not to be choline deficient.
1: Yeah, let's not forget, acetylcholine, one of the major neurotransmitters in the brain, is made from choline. So there's another reason why people need choline, which you get from egg egg yolks and and a bunch of other sources. But you you can also get it in the form of supplements.
0: Right. Now, what about B12? Did I miss that you mentioned B12 because
1: B12 is part of the... I didn't it homo- yet. We, we have, yeah, we have the methylcobalamin form of vitamin B12. Okay. B12 is a little complex because there's two active forms in the body that do different things. Right. Two different pathways. Right. So methylcobalamin is the form for reducing homocysteine, making the coating on the nerves, it, it supports nerve and brain health. Right. And... The other form, cobalamin known as dibencozide is the energetic form. And okay. about two-thirds of the active form in the body is the energetic form, not the detox form, this hmm. uh, methylcobalamin. So uh, so it's are, about this a is, two-to-one ratio. This is kind
0: of novel to me. So you're saying that if, if someone were to take methyl B12 or methylcobalamin, uh, they wouldn't get the energy benefits of B12? That they would need a...
1: Correct. Okay. Different enzyme systems, different distribution systems. Hmm. When you take uh, an injection, say it's hydroxycobalamin, right. it'll convert both ways. Right. If you take uh, cyanocobalamin, mm-hmm. which, by the way, contains less cyanide than an apple or an almond. Okay. Cyanide in tiny, yeah, people tiny, People are worried tiny about
0: amount, this, you know, because it's, it's cyano, yeah. it sounds like cyanide, and it's like, is there potential for toxicity? And the answer it is... is
1: but- yeah. Yeah, it, actually, the, the antidote for cyanide poisoning is vitamin B12. Oh. So it contains its own antidote. Uh-huh. It's even safer than an apple or an almond wow. in that regard. Wow. But, okay. uh, yeah, it, and we're talking about, uh, you know, th- these are small amounts, but we're, we're feeding a methylation pathway with this formula. We're not feeding all the pathways.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, generally the dosing I find is like two or three per day. Uh, sometimes in people who have very high homocysteine, or actually, there are people who have homocysteine that's in the the low to middle double digits. You're super high. It's rare, but that can that can happen. Then they might need a little extra TMG separately. In my experience,
1: and that's why we add it to this formula. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is people who have these variations in their M. MTHFR enzyme mm-hmm. it's a fa- kind of a long long fancy word but it's right. an enzyme made with methylated folate and
0: this is a family um, show but it's not that the initials don't stand for what you think it's MTHFR <laughs> and right. uh, you know so what well, that's one mnemonic you can use for remembering the, you know, the initials but um, this is a, that's a really complex subject and I think I'm gonna suggest that we reserve that for part two uh, because otherwise we'll give it short shrift but um these days I think people are paying a lot of attention to genetic tests and what I would say uh, preliminarily you know before you go into a deep explanation of that is that uh, I think there's kind of a fad for looking at MTHFR what are called polymorphisms which are you know little glitches in the genetic profile and they're very prevalent uh, I have one I don't have a double hit a double hit can sometimes be problematic. But I think um, merely having that does not necessarily mean that you got a serious methylation problem. Do you agree with that?
1: Right. Uh, I mean, there's probably half the population in yep. some areas that have this. And, uh, you know, it's actually very low in the African communities, African descent. Hmm. It's... It's higher in the the white uh, communities in in Europe, et cetera. So you know it does vary by genetics as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about uh, cancer because there's, uh, you know, like like we said earlier, there's sort of a a push pull with methylation. Methylation's a promoter. Methylation's an inhibitor. Uh, In cancer, sometimes promoting an inhibitor is good, and suppressing a promoter. To make it even more complicated, uh, is uh, is is good. So, uh, but we don't want to promote the promoters uh, or suppress the suppressors. So, it, it, there's actually some controversy in the scientific literature about B vitamins in cancer. For sure, they they perform a protective role. So, you can uh, uh, take uh, B vitamins and. Somewhat reduce the risk of things like colon cancer, but there is some controversy about if someone has active cancer, whether to pour on the B vitamins. And some practitioners, myself included, uh, I don't tend to lard on high dose B vitamins in people with active cancer or recovering from cancer. What's your take?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I had a letter in the uh, Cancer Journal of the American Cancer uh, uh, Association uh, several years ago. Uh, discussing that kind of issue where it's not a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. Certain medications will actually benefit from having the vitamins uh, antioxidants as well as uh, B vitamins others will not benefit or actually be negative with those kind of things So it, you have to look at the mechanisms of, of each Medication if they're using chemotherapy for example mm-hmm. uh, Which is really where most of the interactions would come in right uh, versus radiation but, uh, you know, it, it's really a case by case basis. And, you know, you can't really make a blanket statement. You, have, you accept to say caution is recommended. Let's look at the data. And a lot of doctors simply don't want to look at the data. They don't. Understand they want to they make just,
0: a blanket it, statement like "stay away from the vitamins." You know, you never know what it, they're going to do. Yeah, that kind of thing.
1: It, yeah, it's easier for them, and they don't—they—they they don't know what to do because they're not looking at the literature closely enough. Yeah. But there are many cases where the supplements will actually enhance the therapy mm-hmm. or the survivability. Remember, yeah. a lot of cancer patients die of malnutrition uh, or side effects of malnutrition because they don't get enough nutrition because the chemotherapy or radiation kills their digestion and their appetite and their uh, probiotics, the live microbes that are supposed to be protecting them in their gut. So, you know, there's a lot of variables there, too.
0: Okay. When we return, because our listeners know we divide our podcast into two parts, I'm going to task you with the uh, challenging uh, role of explaining uh, MTHFR. And uh, its implications, because people are getting genetic tests, uh, their naturopaths or their uh, nutritional chiropractors or their MDs or DOs are telling them that they've got an MTHFR problem, a mutation. That sounds even worse. uh, And we're going to look at uh, the implications of that and where nutritional supplementation may play a role in offsetting uh, some of the potential deficits may occur with that. So, uh, Neil Edward Levin is the Senior Nutrition Education Manager and a Product Formulator for Now Foods. That's the um, -the over-the-counter consumer brand found in health food stores. The Protocol for Life Balance is the professional line. You'll find it at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. You'll have access to their professional line. Uh, the product in question today is Methyl Action. We're explaining the rationale for that. You can also go to dearhoffmancom slash protocol for life balance because uh, there's a nice article there that, um, boy, you really break it down with scientific references uh, so that people can better understand that. So I recommend it highly to our listeners. Uh, we'll be right back with more of today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman.